welcome to Dark Gate Horror Podcast Episode 22. I do apologize if it does sound a little noisier than usual. Everybody seems to have their air conditioners running this afternoon. Anyway, I attended the Fangoria Weekend of Horrors convention in Los Angeles back in April 27, 2008. I originally did not plan on attending the convention, but at the last minute my schedule cleared for Sunday, so I took a shot. I'm really not a fan of conventions, but this one seemed different. It wasn't full of screaming, rabid fangirls who were there to see some hot guy. I did not expect the event to be so small, honestly. This was the first year it was held at the Los Angeles Convention Center. This larger venue was to help alleviate the issue they had in previous years of turning away hundreds of people at the door. Instead, it was sparsely populated. Honestly, it was good for me because I had opportunities I would not have normally had if the convention had been crowded, but I'll get to that in a moment. I don't know if I'll attend one again. I guess it depends on who the guests are. If I'd splurged on a more expensive ticket, it might have been more fun. Isn't that how life always is? There's no such thing as a free lunch. But there were several highlights, at least, that I was most looking forward to. One, the cast reunion for the 40th anniversary of Night of the Living Dead, including George Romero. Two, the Ray Wise appearance. And three, the cast of Moonlight. I attended many of the panel discussions, at least in the afternoon, after I spent a few hours perusing the exhibit hall. Let's start with Night of the Living Dead. This was the first reunion for the cast, including six actors and George Romero, the director. They were all stationed at tables in the exhibit hall in order to sign photographs. As the hall was, well, virtually uncrowded and hardly anyone else around, I walked around from table to table and talked to the actors in between their autograph signings. I had the pleasure of talking to four of the actors from the film, and since I had not planned to head for the con and I didn't have any kind of press credentials, some people were unwilling to talk to me. However, those I talked to were genuinely interested in being at the convention and even more interested in discussing this phenomenal and groundbreaking film, which I reviewed back in episode one. I asked each person two questions that I would not take up much of their time in hopes that they would actually talk to me. One, what is the one thing that stayed with you all these years regarding working on this film? And two, what is your favorite horror film? First, I talked to Bill Heinzman, who played Cemetery Zombie. When I asked him what stood out for him in his mind regarding making the film, he provided an anecdote in which he was setting lunch out, and there were several women around him. One of the film policemen was trying to impress the women with his big bad police dog. Just then, a woman zombie in a white nightgown came around the corner and spooked the dog, named Bullet, who ran off and the cop had to chase down the dog. The scared dog would bite him on the set. He admitted that he subconsciously imitated Boris Karloff's walk. That was how he got into character for his zombie. His favorite horror film is The Thing. Next, I spoke with Judith Odea, who played Barbara, my favorite character. She told me what stands out to her is the fact that there was a black man and a white woman as the lead actors, and nothing was made of the fact. When I told her that I produced two podcasts, this one and one for Supernatural, she told me that she was not a big fan of horror but likes to watch the CW series Supernatural because she believes in life after death. I felt like a fangirl of sorts because her performance was my favorite in the film and I told her so. She is one of the nicest people I have ever talked to and did not rush me off at all even though there was a line forming behind me. Her favorite horror film is American Werewolf in London. Next, I talked to George Cosana, who played Sheriff McClelland. He said his most memorable thing was that everyone gave 2,000% effort. 
He said that you weren't just an actor. You carried boxes, you did whatever was needed to be done to get the film done. He was the production manager and an actor. You don't see that kind of situation on a film, but nobody seemed to mind. It was a great working environment. He said his favorite horror film is Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Next, I spoke with Kira Schoen, who played Karen Cooper. She said no one thing about working on the film stands out except the ability to talk to fans after all this time and spend 40 years talking about a film. She said she is so glad that she was the right age and in the right place to be given the opportunity to work on the film. Her favorite horror film is Jaws. She said it's almost an obsession. It's the one film she watches over and over and never tires of it. John Russo, who played Washington military reporter, who was an uncredited role, and Russ Streiner, who played Johnny, also uncredited, were there, but I didn't get a chance to talk to them. Apparently, I was not really supposed to talk to the cast without going through their manager. Oops. So after I talked to the cast of Night of the Living Dead, I walked over to the table with Brian O'Halloran. Now, he's best known for his role of Dante Hicks in the Kevin Smith film Clerks and Clerks 2. I met Brian while he was sitting at his table, autographing pictures. I told him I was a big fan of his work. Again, the fangirl in me just started bubbling out. I did not have to exaggerate in the least. It's true. I love his films. Brian was very pleasant, and when I asked him to take his to take a photograph of him, he took my camera and handed it to a woman who was sitting with him and had me go behind his table and he took a picture of us together. As Brian typically works in comedy, I asked him what his next project is. He laid a poster out in front of me. It's called Brutal Massacre, a comedy. It's a spoof film about the making of a horror film. It'll be released on DVD on July 22nd. It is starring big name actors such as Gunnar Hansen, who played Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And he signed the poster and gave it to me. Sincerely, Brian O'Halloran should receive a gold star for how pleasant he is to his fans. Others at the convention were not nearly as nice. Brian, who was wearing a large gold cross necklace that you actually see in some of his films, told me that his favorite horror film is The Exorcist. When I asked why, he said, it's something about that Catholic thing. So the next person I talked to was Eric Preston. He played young Michael Myers in Halloween 4. I must have talked to Eric for 20 minutes. I honestly think he was kind of bored, which is why he wanted to talk to me for such a long time. Eric was fun to talk to. We started talking about his role in Halloween. He said it was amazing working on a Halloween film. He told me that he remembers everything about his three days on set, even though he was extremely young. We talked about modern horror and how there were so many remakes. On the last podcast, you may recall, I talked about my disillusion with modern horror and how there's so little ingenuity and imagination these days. I asked Eric why he thinks there are so many remakes, and he said he thinks it's because the studios are unwilling to take a chance. He gave the example of Rob Zombie's Halloween. Although the film was not great, it was inexpensive to make and yielded a good return. I told him I'm looking forward to the new Friday the 13th film, and he too hoped it would be good. When I asked him what other work he was involved in after Halloween, he said life took him a different direction and he left acting until recently, but he's currently working on a screenplay and trying to produce a short film. I caught several of the panels with lesser-known films, such as Jack Brooks' Monster Slayer, starring Trevor Matthews. Jack Brooks is a horror comedy with an ending in the vein of Back to the Future, which leaves it open to sequels. The clips they showed were humorous, and I might have to check it out. The film is given a limited release in October 2008 from Anchor Bay, and there is also going to be comic books. Tony Todd, best known for his role of Candyman, was there, but not a scheduled appearance. I was excited as I really liked his work, but actually, 
He was kind of a jerk to his fans. I'll still watch his films, of course, but I was disappointed. Maybe he was just having a bad day, or maybe he was joking, but it just didn't come across well. So that brings us to the Ray Wise appearance. I was probably most excited to see Ray Wise's panel of the whole day, actually. I've been a big fan of his since his role of Leland Palmer in Twin Peaks back in 1990. The panel opened with a vignette of clips throughout his career. He wants to revisit Twin Peaks. When he brought it up to David Lynch, Lynch said, Well, the town's still there. He also loved the Twin Peaks film Firewalk With Me. He said, The more I see it, the more I love it. For those of you who've watched Twin Peaks, you know the fate of his character, Leland Palmer. Lynch sat him down along with Sherilyn Fenn, who played Laura Palmer, Richard Bremer, who played Ben Horn, and Mark Frost to discuss the direction of the show. Lynch said, Ray, it's you. It was always you. The turn of events broke Ray's heart, but he played it unbelievably well. He was asked whether he would go to Twin Peaks Fest this year. He said he does not go, but he did go the first year. So he told the story of how there were 5,000 Japanese tourists who showed up for the first Twin Peaks Fest. When they got to within a few feet of him, they all stopped. He stepped towards them, and they stepped back. They froze. And then somebody bowed, and then they all just started bowing back and forth at each other, and it broke the barrier. In my opinion, Ray Wise made Twin Peaks, just as he does on Reaper, which I'll get to in a moment. Next, he talked about Jeepers Creepers 3 and 4. Both films are in the works, and he reprises his character in both. Just then, someone handed him a bottle of water. He smiled. He constantly smiles, by the way, at the person and said, do I look dehydrated? I did sit out in the sun yesterday. They were shooting Reaper in Vancouver, and it was really cold. It, in fact, it had snowed the week before, in the end of April. He just finished up a new drama film called Pandemic, and he did a fine imitation of the male alligator call from the Swamp Thing. He is genuinely a really nice guy, and very funny. He has a vast array of film and TV roles, as you may know. He recalled during the filming of the 1987 film RoboCop, the cast went to an old section of Dallas with big 50 caliber guns and blew it up. It was great fun, he said, laughing. He said it was like little kids playing cops and robbers. Next, he discussed his TV show Reaper, in which he plays the devil. He said, the devil wants a Democrat next in office. Over 100 actors auditioned for the role, and he used a combination of a used car salesman and a game show host personality, along with his own sensibility to win the role. Smiling beats them all. And he has a really funny laugh, too. Um, just an update, Reaper was picked up for a second season on the CW. When asked what role he would like to play, he said, I would make a good Dracula. He said Coppola's film version came close to what he would like to do. And in the words of wisdom from Ray Wise, Getting old is a state of mind. And then he laughed. He continued saying, Do you believe that? And then he laughed again. So then there was a panel on Feast 2 and 3. The first Feast film, which I have unfortunately not seen yet, broke conventions. The entire cast and crew showed up at the con and they filled the stage. They showed us the autopsy scene in which every time they touched an organ, some bodily fluid sprayed out. And the character stated, This is science. Shut up. I'm not going to give away anything else, but needless to say, these films will push the needle even further with the gore they show on screen. Feast 2 will release holiday 2008, with a summer 2009 release for Feast 3. And that brings us to the Night of the Living Dead panel, the 40th reunion. They assembled on stage together, along with director George Romero, for the first time in 40 years. 
When asked why there was not more discussion on where the zombies originated, Romero said the point was to not explain the origin of the zombies. They never state the cause, only speculation. The media made it more simplistic. Romero regrets the Washington, D.C. scene, and in later films, he did give more ideas as to the origin of the zombies. At that time, however, films always provided an explanation, so he was once again breaking conventions. And did you know that in the first draft of the film, Barbara survived? This is the only one of Romero's films in which he set out to scare. Since then, he says he does not try to scare, but instead uses humor. I missed a big portion of the panel, unfortunately, because I was in the exhibit hall and then taking pictures of the cast of Moonlight. However, the 40th anniversary DVD was recently released, and although the outtakes were lost in a flood, the DVD includes some featurettes, and it is digitally restored. Romero's film, Diary of the Dead, was also released on DVD at the same time. And then the Moonlight panel. And what I've noticed is that throughout the day, there were very few people in the panel, and they were all in the exhibit hall. But then as the afternoon drew on, and Ray Wise drew a large crowd, and then Feast drew a little bit larger crowd yet, and Night of the Living Dead had almost everybody there. It was almost a packed room. And then Moonlight. And a few people left that had come in for Night of the Living Dead. But for the, for the most part, it really stayed a packed room until the end of the day. Cast members Alex O'Loughlin, Jason Doreen, and Sophia Miles attended the panel, and Shannon Sossaman could not make it at the last minute. Alex, Jason, and Sophia have obvious chemistry, and they like to joke around a lot. The moderator asked, After Friday's episode, does it mean Joseph has a thing for Mick? And Alex answered, Definitely. The discussion turned to Sophia, asking her about her roles in the past when she played a vampire, and Alex asked if he could ask a question. He asked Sophia if her vampire character from the film Underworld took on Mick St. John, who would win. Sophia did not hesitate when she answered, Me. Filming for season one had wrapped up the previous Saturday, and there were three more episodes. Alex said that they are standalone episodes because season two hadn't been picked up yet, and the episodes discuss Coraline and Mick's bloodlines further, apparently, but the cast did not want to give us any spoilers. Jason said it looks promising for renewal, and Alex agreed, saying the ratings were good, and they usually win the time slot in the demography, and that it is one of the best shows on television. Sophia said she finds Alex all vamped out with the teeth really sexy. Alex laughed, saying that Sophia always hits on him when he's in his vamp makeup. Alex said there have been some great Mick and Joseph storylines have been pitched to him for season two, and I was having such a good time watching the three of them that I really didn't take good notes, but I covered all the big stuff. An update. Since the con, the studios have had their upfronts where they announced the following fall TV schedule. CBS is not renewing Moonlight. Warner Brothers, owner of the show, with help from a very devoted fandom, were shopping other networks, but the talks have not been successful. And it's a shame because their ratings were good and the show was one of the better ones on television. I'd like to see it picked up at some point because the show really did have a lot of promise. It was one of my favorites of the last season. And I wonder if the writer's strike in the truncated season had anything to do with kind of some of the strange things that happened with some of the new series and some of the returning series. But at any rate, Moonlight will not be on this fall. For me, the best thing that happened at the con was that I met a woman visiting L.A. from Germany, and we've become really good friends since attending the con. It's funny how things turn out, after all. 
The song of the night is Down With Everything by The Transfer, brought to you by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at sonicbids.com slash the transfer. Enjoy! for this mini episode i'm almost done with the next episode which covers friday the 13th although it's a little delayed hope you're enjoying your summer and take care thank you for listening to Darkgate horror podcast you can send me an email at darkgatehorror at gmail.com and visit my website at darkgatehorror.blogspot.com thank you to josh woodward for the use of his song i want to destroy something beautiful which is the opening and closing music His website is joshwoodward.com. Music played on this podcast is from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com.